Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. He began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. And going a little further, he fell on his face and he and prayed saying, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me nevertheless, nor as I will, but as you will. He was thinking about the mockery that was gonna happen, the beatings, uh, nails in his hand, just through his skin, like that is unimaginable to me. And I don't know how he went through it, but if we were put in that situation, like I feel like we couldn't take it and we'd probably run away or be scared, but I'm just, he just stayed. And he really just showed us how much he loved us in that moment. You know, he is the son of God, so he could have called angels to protect him, but he knew it had to be done and he did it for us. If he says he's gonna do something, He's going to do it, for sure. Some of the governor's soldiers, they spit on him and grabbed a stick and struck him on the head with it. When they were finally tired of mocking him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him again. Then they led him away to be crucified. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished, and to fulfill the scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put, up, put it on a hyssop branch, and held it up to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. He knew his mission was finished. He had fulfilled the promise that the Father had given us. Because of Jesus, it is finished. It is finished. You know, there are seven statements that Jesus made upon the cross, that seven declarations that he gave while he was hanging there on the cross. But this morning, as we reflect on the death and the crucifixion of Jesus and the resurrection and the new life that he brings, I, I want us to look at that last statement that he made when he was there on the cross. The last thing that he cried out on the cross was, it is finished. Now, I know many of you are familiar. You've heard year after year the story of Easter, but just take a moment and reflect on what it was that Jesus had just endured as he was hanging there, suspended between earth and heaven as he makes that declaration there on the cross. He had been up all night. The last 18 hours of his life were excruciating of being in a garden, crying out to God, being betrayed and handed over to Roman soldiers, lied about, mocked, beaten, whipped beyond recognition where he couldn't even be recognized anymore, his beard pulled out, a crown of thorns placed upon his head. 
And then from dehydration, dehydration and exhaustion, he is forced to carry a cross through the crowded streets of Jerusalem. And then in one of the most excruciating forms of torture that mankind has ever invented, he's crucified. And as he's hanging there on the cross, he makes that declaration. One of the last things that he says is, it is finished. And I want us to look at this. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to John chapter 19. And we're going to start at verse 30. And we're going to go through a number of scriptures this morning. So some of them will be up on the screens. But if you have the NCC app, you can get that or you can open that and go to sermon notes and follow along with us and write down some of the things that God may challenge you with this morning. But in John chapter 19, verse 30, we just heard this. But this is what it says, the last declaration of Jesus on the cross. When he had received the drink, Jesus says, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Now, when you're picturing that, that is not a whisper. Jesus is suffocating. The air is being pulled out of his lungs and he is dying there. But we're told in Matthew 27, 50 and in Mark 15, 37, that this is a cry, you guys. This is a declaration. The last thing that Jesus said, he shouts it, he screams it out. It is finished. Those are the words that he utters there on the cross. Now, whenever the early church read this and they would talk about this, it wasn't three words. It was one phrase that Jesus said there. And it was a Greek word that was tetelestai. So turn to the person next to you and just practice that, okay? Say that, tetelestai. If you've learned nothing else, okay, you learned a Greek word this morning, you are good to go, okay? Tetelestai, it was a Greek word. This was a common word, like it was used it wasn't like a religious word or something that you'd find in Holy Scripture. Um, it was just a common word that was used that meant like completion or fulfillment or accomplishment. There was a lot of weight in a lot of different ways that that word was used, tetelestai. And I imagine as the people were there around the cross and they were hearing Jesus utter that, that declaration, it is finished. There were a number of things that they were probably thinking of, of the promises that God had made to them. Maybe thinking all the way back to the beginning in Genesis chapter 3, where God had created a perfect world and he'd made everything. He looks at the world and he says, it's good. And he puts Adam and Eve in the garden and he said, I've taken care of everything that you need. But Adam and Eve, just like all of us have done, they turn and look at God and say, thank you for the world you've given us, but we'll take over from here. We'll do this our own way. God, we don't need your instructions. We don't need to listen to you. We've got this figured out, God, and we're going to rebel against you, and we're going to take over and kind of do this on our own. And in that moment where they did that, they invited sin into the world. If you've ever experienced pain, it's because of that sin and death and destruction and darkness and guilt and shame. All of those things came into the world in that first moment, but we can't point our fingers at Adam and Eve because we've added to our share of it, haven't we? And Jesus, in that moment, God, in that moment, he makes a promise. And this is what he says. Hey, Adam and Eve, even though you invited all of those things into the world, here's my promise. My salvation is going to come. And to your bringing death into the world, I'm going to bring life. To your bringing darkness into the world, I'm going to bring light. Where you've brought guilt and shame, I'm going to bring hope and peace. That's my promise to you. And it's there on the cross that Jesus cries out, it's finished. 
They may have been thinking of Genesis chapter 15 where God promises Abraham, this very famous religious individual in the nation of Israel that lived hundreds of years before the time of Christ. And God made a covenant and said, Abraham, your descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars in the sky, as the sands on the sea. And Abraham's so excited in that moment that God's promised this, that God's promised that it's through him that all nations will be blessed. He does this ceremony. He takes a few animals, he cuts them in half, he lays half of them on one side, half of them on the other. And the ceremony is he'll walk in the middle and say, God, if I don't uphold my end of the deal, let this happen to me. But Abraham doesn't walk in the middle, God does. And it's to symbolize, Abraham, if you can't live up to your end of the deal, Abraham, if your descendants, if your great-great-grandchildren, if they can't live up to their part of the deal, then I'll take this punishment upon myself the sacrifice that's required, the blood that will be required to be shed. You won't have to bear that. Your kids won't have to bear that. I, as God, I promise to take that upon myself. I'll be the sacrifice. What would happen year after year, what was happening in Jerusalem on this day that Jesus died, we see this in 2 Chronicles 7, 5, and all throughout the Old Testament, that the people of God would crowd Jerusalem. They would flood the city for a festival and for a celebration. But as part of that, They would take one lamb and they would sacrifice it. And it was a remembering of the promise that God had made of God, we've sinned, we've messed up, we've made mistakes and we can't fix this on our own, God. And so we're sacrificing this as a symbol, God, that one day your promise will come. God, one day your salvation will come. Lord, one day you will rid us from this sin. These are the promises that God had made that Jesus was declaring, it is finished. Now, I want us to look at this word and what all of those promises meant, what Jesus was saying and what the audience would have heard and how this impacts us even thousands of years later. So that word, tetelestai, it meant the mission is complete. The mission is accomplished. When Jesus declared that, when he shouted out that word, once again, this was a common word and it had that meaning behind it, the mission is accomplished. So imagine that you are a servant living at the time of Jesus and you work for a master and you get up early in the morning and there's this long list of stuff you have to do. Like you got to water the cows and feed the horses and plow the field and all of those things. Those are tasks that have been assigned to you. Guys in the room, you know what I mean, that honey-do list, right? That's what that is, okay? So I have one staring me in the face in our home, in our kitchen, I broke one of the drawers, okay? And I kept telling Sarah, I'm gonna get to it, I'm gonna get to it, and then I just hid it in the pantry, right? So I'm hoping it'll go away. It's a task that stares me in the face every time I open that pantry door. That's kind of like this, okay? Or kids or students, if your parents have ever said, pick up your room or do your homework, right? That's a task that you have. In that situation, at the end of the day, um, your master comes to you, if you're that servant living in the time of Jesus, and he says, hey, I told you to do all of this. Did all of it get done? Your response is tetelestai. You don't have to worry about it. It's all been finished. My dream is one day Sarah will come home, and I'll say, Sarah, the drawer in the kitchen, tetelestai. It's done. Like, you don't have to worry about it. I got it finished. Students, if your parents ask you, did you do your homework, you can say Tetelestai, but only if you actually did it, okay? Don't lie to them. But that's what it meant is the task is done. Like, stop worrying about it. I completed what it was that you gave me to do, and that's what Jesus is crying out on the cross. Tetelestai. 
It's all been finished. It's all been accomplished. God, what it is that you gave me to do, I finished it. Now, you need to understand the weight of those words. Because when you rewind 18 hours earlier in Luke chapter 22, verse 41, you see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, some place he had been a lot with his disciples. And he had shared laughter around a campfire and shared stories and enjoyed time with him. But in this moment, the tone is very different that night, the night before his crucifixion. And this is what it says. And Jesus withdrew about a stone's throw away from his disciples, from his friends. And he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me, this task you've given me. God, can you take it away from me? Nevertheless, not my will, but your will will be done. Do you see what's happening in that moment? Jesus is seeing in that moment what's about to come. He's seeing the betrayal. This isn't just physical pain. This is emotional pain of someone that was close to him that sold him for 30 pieces of silver. And he's seeing that. He's seeing what he's about to have to walk through and the sin and the weight of the world being placed on his shoulders. And it would have been very easy in this moment to say, okay, God, let's be honest. I've lived here on earth for 30 some years, okay? I've healed some people. I've told people about your love. I've taught them to love their enemy. I've told them about your kingdom. Like I've told them how to love you and how to walk in a right relationship with others. But God, I'm out of here. Like I'm done. This is too much, okay? So I've done a lot, God, and I'm good right here. Like He could have at any moment called for an army of angels to come and rescue him from crucifixion to get him out of this situation and out of this moment that he was in. But if he would have taken the easy way out, he could not have stood before his father and said, Tetelestai, it's all been done. It's all been accomplished. I've taken care of it. And it's in that garden, if you've ever seen pictures of that, there are groves of olive trees. And all around Jesus in that time that he lived, there were those olive groves and there were olive presses. And in those presses, they would harvest the olives and they would squeeze out the oil, which to them was medicine. It was healing. It was wealth. It was provision. It was worth a lot of money. And it was substance. Like it was part of the food that they ate and part of what they did there in that culture. And Jesus' life in that same way as being pressed and crushed in that moment, it would have been very easy for him to just throw in the towel. And say, I've done a lot, but, but this is as far as I can go. But he doesn't. He goes all the way to the cross. He goes all the way to that moment of saying, it is finished. Being able to say that, God, I've accomplished everything that you've given me. God, everything that you told me to do, God, I have fulfilled it. What does that mean for us? It means this, that God is the promise keeper. It means that he's not going to give up even when it becomes very difficult. Even when your life is hard. Even when God could get frustrated on you because you keep sinning and you keep sinning and you keep sinning and I keep making mistakes and I think, okay, God, this is where you quit on me. He doesn't quit on you, church. He doesn't give up. He goes all the way till the end until he can say, tetelestai, it's all been accomplished. It's all been done. That's why the writers in the New Testament could say things like, he who began a good work in you. God who started working in your life is going to be faithful to see it through, to complete it until it's all the way, until it's finished. That's what he's saying. And so you look at the cross. I look at the cross. I see that declaration. It is finished. And I know this in those moments where it feels like I'm walking through the dark night. 
and I'm praying and it doesn't seem like, God, where are you at? This is so hard. This is difficult. Church, I can trust him because he's already been through the cross. In those moments where you're praying for that relationship and you've invested in it and you think, God, this has to work and then it falls apart and you're just holding the broken pieces in your hand, you can still trust him. He's not going to walk out on you. In that sin in your life that seems like it controls you and you feel like I'm just back in this same spot, you can trust him. He's not going to give up on you. He's still working. He's still moving in your life until he declares it is finished. This is the kind of God that we serve. The God that is willing to go to the cross. The God that is willing to hang there because he loves you and he's not going to give up on you until he can look in your life and say it is finished. God, I've accomplished the work that you have called me to do. This is why we can trust him. No matter what you're going through, no matter how difficult it is, no matter what the sickness or the pain that you're suffering, you already have a savior who's been there, who said, I'm gonna keep working until it is finished in your life. I'm not gonna give up on you. So we can trust him. That's what those words mean, it is finished. But that word tetelestai, it had another way that it was used. There was a different context that people would talk about that in. And that was this right here. Let's say you live during the time of Jesus, okay? Anyone in their early 20s here in the room, okay? Give me a quick show of hands. Okay, I see a few hands out there. Okay, you're in your early 20s and you're thinking, I got a good job, right? And I need a better mode of transportation. So I'm going to trade in my donkey for the new Tesla camel, Okay. It's self-sustaining, right? And this is what I need to get around Jerusalem, okay? Or you're just married and you're gonna start a family and so you want a new house, but you don't want kind of the crummy house in the middle of Jerusalem. You want the villa on the side of the Jerusalem hills, right? Where all of the wealthy people live and that's where you're gonna go buy a house or you wanna start a new business, but you realize I don't have the money to do that. Can't afford the Tesla camel, can't afford the villa house. So what you would do is you would go to the city gates like kind of where the marketplace was, where people would sit at, and you would approach one of the leaders of the city, maybe a family friend, um, maybe a family member, a rich uncle, a rich aunt, or someone that was related to you, and you would borrow that money, okay? And someone that was there, like a manager, someone whose job it was, they would write your name, and then they would create a ledger, okay? And they would start writing like, so-and-so, you, you borrowed $1,000, you borrowed $10,000, whatever that was, they would write that, and you promise to pay that $100 a week, $1,000 a month, whatever that is, until this debt is paid in full, right? So you're working, you're going along, you're riding your new camel, which looks really awesome, but you don't own it yet, right? So you're doing all of this stuff, and on that day when you make that final payment, on that day where you get that bonus from your job, you go to the city marketplace, you pull out that ledger, and they write something at the bottom. They write tetelestai, and it means the debt's been paid in full. And you're so pumped, you take that, you frame it at your house, right? You own that camel, you own that house, whatever that is. But it symbolizes that. That word meant the debt has been paid in full. Whatever it was you owed, whatever you had borrowed, whatever payments you were making, you don't have to worry about that anymore. The debt has been paid in full. So on that document, that's the word they would write, tetelestai. It meant that the debt was covered. You didn't have to think about that anymore. Now, Jesus is hanging there on the cross, and he cries that out, tetelestai. And I have to think that a business owner was looking at his friend saying, did you just hear that? Because that's the term they use 
when a debt has been paid. That's a financial term. That's a business term that's used that we talk about all the time when it comes to business. But Jesus was saying, wait, there's a spiritual debt that you've been carrying. He's hanging on the cross looking at, I don't know if it's hundreds or thousands, the crowded marketplace in Jerusalem, wherever he can see. And he's looking at them and he's saying, I've taken care of the debt. All of the sin that you guys have been carrying that you couldn't pay on your own, the weight that was crushing you, the financial burden that you had spiritually that you couldn't do anything about, you don't have to worry about it anymore. You don't have to take care of it. It was too much for you anyway, and so I've taken that debt upon myself, and on your life, I've written tetelestai. The debt's been covered. It's been taken care of. And the amazing thing is, as Jesus is hanging there on the cross, as he's there, just probably a few thousand yards in the city of Jerusalem, there is the temple of the Lord. They're religious people in robes, and they have a lamb in front of them right at this moment, probably about 3 p.m. on Friday afternoon, and they're gathered together, and there's a group of people there, and they're praying these prayers. God, we're about to sacrifice this lamb. Lord, we're about to kill this lamb, and it's just symbolic, Lord. It's a symbol, God, of you removing our sins. One day, would you send your hope? One day, God, they're crying out these prayers. God, we can't take care of the sin on our own. God, we can't do it. We don't know what to do about this, Lord. So we sacrifice this, remembering the promise, remembering the hope that you're given. Thousands of people crying out this prayer. God, would you remove our sin? And in that moment, right after they're praying that, Jesus answers, Tetelestai, it's done. It's taken care of. The sin that you've been carrying, it's removed. I've taken it upon myself. The burden of your sin, I'm carrying that now. That's why in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12, the writers after the time of Jesus wrote things like this. It's not the blood of goats or calves or sheep that God is interested in, but it's Jesus' own blood by which he entered into the holy place that we have obtained eternal redemption. We've been redeemed. We've been bought back. The debt has been taken care of. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, Peter says it's Jesus himself who bore our sins in his body on that tree. It was by his own blood that we enter in, into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Colossians 1.14, Paul wrote, it's in him that we have redemption through his blood, even to the forgiveness of sins. The debt that you and I were carrying, that rebellion against God, that first lie that we told as a kid, all the way to the worst thing that you can think of, it was this heavy weight that was crushing us. It was weighing down upon us. And God's saying, I've taken care of that. I'm offering you my forgiveness. All you have to do is receive it. You don't have to worry about trying to be good enough. You don't have to worry about trying to get my favor. Like You can't do enough to work out your sin debt for God. And Jesus said, I've got it covered. It's tetelestai. The debt is finished. It's been paid in full. Now, what does that mean for you thousands of laters? For some of you, you're still trying to work off that debt. In your mind, you come every Sunday saying, I'm trying to be good enough. God, did I do enough good stuff this week to outweigh the bad stuff? And maybe then the debt will be paid for. That's not how it works. Jesus in one moment said, it's forgiven. You just have to receive it. It's forgiven. It's taken care of. You just have to accept that to receive it in your life. And then you don't have to worry about it anymore. But it wasn't just that moment of forgiveness. It was a new way of living. 
See, I don't know if you've ever paid off debt. Um, Sarah and I just did, and we did our little debt party dance, okay? We were so pumped. If you've ever had a big debt and it's weighing down on you, maybe school loans or credit card or a car payment or something, right? And you're stressed. That moment that you pay that off, right? The first thing I texted her was, oh, we're eating out tonight. <laughs> and we're not getting the McDonald's extra value meal, right? We're going to Whataburger. We're going to In-N-Out, right? We can't afford the more expensive burger now, okay? We're not really rich, but we can afford a better burger now, okay? It's a different way of living, right? Because that debt's not weighing down on you. And this is what Jesus is saying is, some of you have been forgiven of your sin, but you're still living like you're in debt. He said, I said it was finished on the cross. Some of you are still carrying that. It's not there anymore, but you're still thinking, I'm a victim to sin. You're not a victim to sin anymore. You're a victor, okay? That addiction, it doesn't control you anymore. You're not chained up by that. You are an overcomer in Christ. That's what it meant when he declared that. This no longer has a hold on you. The debt has been taken care of, and you're free, church. That's what those words meant. Don't walk in that sin any longer. Don't be chained to that addiction any longer. Jesus already declared the debt has been taken care of. You can walk in a new way. That's what Christ has called us to. And so it's on the cross that Jesus shouts that out. It's finished. Tetelestai, I've taken care of it. And there on that cross, people around him are so in awe of what happens in that moment. There's an earthquake, darkness is covering, that even someone who's not of the Jewish faith, even someone who, who's from a different culture looks at him and he's like, man, that's got to be the son of God. Did you hear what he just said? That's got to be the son of God. There's something different about this person. And Jesus' body is taken off of the cross after he dies. He gives up his spirit. He said that no one takes my life. I lay it down freely. And so he lays down his life and He's carried to a borrowed tomb. And Friday night comes and goes. And Saturday comes and goes. And Saturday evening and Sunday morning, there are a group of women. And then eventually some of Jesus' close friends, some of the disciples come. And they get to the tomb and it's empty. And they're in awe. They're, they're thinking, what is going on? They're trying to put it all together. And I have to believe that those last words of Jesus come back and they're thinking about that. Tetelestai, it's finished. Because there was one other thing that that meant during that time. See, if you were a historian and you were writing historical documents, you would use that word. You would use it when one king got dethroned or maybe conquered or an army had overcome him and a new king was being established. You would talk about that change and you would write Tetelestai. Or if one kingdom had fallen and a new kingdom was rising, you would write tetelestai. Do I have any 12-year-olds in the room this morning? Okay. You're about to tetelestai. You're going to go from being a kid, preteen, into that 13-year-old, right? Teenager. You can't call me a kid anymore. I don't have to eat off of the kid's menu, right? Like, I am older now. You're so proud. I am a teenager, 13 years old. Or whenever you enter into adulthood, okay, 18, 19, or for some of you, 25, 26, 27, okay, you're going to get there, you guys. You're right there, right? And so you're getting into that adulthood. You're moving from being a, a teenager, young adult into adulthood where you're your own person. That moving from one period 
into another period, it's described as tetelestai. Tetelestai, something has changed, something has shifted. And so that's how that word was used. It meant the old way is done and there's a new era, there's a new period, a new time has come. There is a new way of living, tetelestai. That's why the writers in the New Testament, they write things like this, Hebrews 12, 24, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. There was an old covenant, and no, new, an old way we'd live, but now Jesus is mediating a new covenant. And it's the sprinkling of his blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come, tetelestai. There was one way that you were living, and now you're living a different way. You're a different person. God sees you differently in your life. Something has shifted. And that's what Jesus declares on the cross. We were living in death. That's not where you are anymore, church. You're now living in life. The cross and the resurrection, it symbolized that something changed in our world. Something changed with what was going on. And Jesus ushered in a new era, a new period, a new way of living. You don't have to live the way that you were living before. God is doing something new in your life and in your heart. And he's inviting you into his story. He's inviting you into what it is that he is doing. See, before Christ, we were living in this very selfish way, right? Like, God, can you, can you make my dreams work out? Can you make things work out at my job? Like, can you get me that really hot girl or that hot guy? Like, I want that to happen, right? So God, do all of this for me. But even talking to God, that's before Christ because when we come to Christ, all of that goes. And now we're saying, wait, this isn't about me. See, me is a very small world. It's a very small kingdom to live in. And God says, no, be part of my story. Be part of what I'm doing. Be part of the change and the impact. You're, you're living in an old way, but I'm inviting you into something new where your life is not about you. It's not about what you can gain or possessions or position that you can have. I'm inviting you for your life to have an impact even beyond the years that you live here on this earth. Be a part of a God story. And I think about Matthew 28, 18. If you've ever read this, if you're here at NCC, you probably get tired of this verse because we say it all the time. But Jesus came to his disciples and he said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And I am with you always to the end of the age. I remember growing up in the church and not being as connected with God, and I heard this verse, and I was like, man, that's a bummer, Jesus. Like, that's the last thing you're going to say to us? That's so stressful. That seems like that's so much, right? I got to find a way to disciple people. Then I got to baptize them. I got to teach them about everything that you said. You said a whole lot of stuff. That seems like a lot of work. I don't know if I want to do that. And then I came to Christ, not just sitting in a seat, but I said, God, what if you take every part of my life? What if everything that I have is yours? And God showed me, Aaron, you've spent so many years of your life living without meaning, living without purpose, dreaming about money you're going to make or things that you're going to have and how your life is going to benefit you. And I'm inviting you into something bigger. I'm inviting you into all the world to go to places that you've never dreamed about going, to be a part of my story, 
See, so many of us, we're just living for ourselves. And God says, I want your life to matter. I want to give your life meaning. I want to give your life purpose. There's been an old way that you've been living, but on the cross, I told you that was done. That's finished. And now there's something new. There's a new way that I'm calling you to live, and I'm inviting you into my story to be a part of what it is that I'm doing so that your life can have meaning and purpose and impact. That's what I'm dreaming for you. That's what Tetelestai meant. It's finished. The work that God did on the cross, it is done. And that final statement that Jesus made, that final declaration that he has made, it is finished. It means that we get to be a part of God's story of making all things new. Church, I'm gonna invite us to respond in two ways this morning. And the first is this, I want you to just take a moment, maybe bow your head and close your eyes and everyone joining us online, if you would do the same right now where you're at, take a moment and bow your head and close your eyes. You may be listening to this and realizing, God, I've been doing that. I've been trying to work off the debt of sin in my life. And I realize that it just doesn't add up. I can't do that. Maybe you've been carrying around that guilt and that shame because of sin in your life and you realize it's hurt others. And this morning you're saying, I need that forgiveness. I need that change. I need that impact. I need what it is that God wants to do in my life. I need a fresh start. And if that's you, once again, Christ has already done that work. It's finished on the cross. And I'm gonna lead us in a prayer and it's just a very simple prayer, but I'm gonna invite everyone to pray this with me. Whether you've said this before, whether you're alone in your living room right now, I want you to say this out loud. And if you need that relationship with God, if you need that fresh start with God, I believe as you pray this, God is gonna do this. So church, let's join together. Let's say this out loud. Lord, I come to you. I know that I've sinned. I need your forgiveness. So I'm praying today, come into my life. Give me a fresh start. Be the savior of my life. Be the Lord of my life. Declare it is finished over me, Lord. And I pray this in your name, amen. Church, can you just put your hands together and celebrate? I believe this, that if you prayed that prayer, if you're disconnected from God or if you felt distance from God and you pray that God is doing something new inside of you. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to earn it. God in his great love is working inside of you already. He wants that relationship with you. He wants to be close to you. And I am so excited for that decision, taking those steps of being in a relationship with Jesus. There's one more way that we're going to respond. And if you're here in the room, I want to ask you if you would just Right underneath your seat, if you would just grab this piece of paper and this pen that is there. For everyone watching online, if you would take a moment, you may have to get out of your seats where you're at on your couch or around the kitchen table, grab a piece of paper and a pen. If you're here in the room, we added some chairs and you didn't get one of these, just raise your hand, okay? If you're in the room, you didn't get one of these, I know we added some seats in the back. Just keep your hand up and we'll get you one of those pieces of paper in that pen. Travis and Caleb, yeah, there may be some over here that 
that we need to help out on this side of the room towards the back. So here's what we're about to do. On that piece of paper that you just grabbed or that pen or pencil, whatever you have to write on, we're gonna take a moment. And this morning, maybe it's doubts in your life. Maybe there's some fear and you're like, God, I don't know, I've done some pretty bad stuff. And this morning he's saying, you can trust me because I went all the way to the cross and I'm not gonna leave you, I'm not gonna abandon you. So on that paper, you may need to write some doubts or fears. You may need to write some of those things out. For others of you, it's sin in your life. You keep deciding to follow your own way instead of God. And you need to write that down. You need to declare, God, it's finished. That does not control me anymore. You can be as vague, you can be as specific as you want to, but I wanna challenge you, write it down and say, God, I'm trusting in you. For others, you've been living for yourself. You've been living on your own. You've been doing this your own way. And God says, I'm inviting you into my story. Let me give you a life full of purpose and full of meaning. Whatever it is, I wanna challenge you. You're gonna write it down. No one else is gonna see this. You can fold it. And whenever you're ready in a moment, if you're here in this room, you're gonna take it and just punch it on one of these nails here on the cross. So just punch it on there, leave it there. For those of you that are watching online at home, I want you to take that, go to maybe a trash can, just tear it up, reminding yourself it's done. God, I'm laying it down. I'm not carrying this out of the room anymore, Lord, because on the cross you declared it is finished, God. And I trust you with that. I'm believing that today. And so church, begin to do that. Even right now while I'm talking, take a moment, begin to write that down. And then whenever you're ready, you can fold that. If you're here in the room, go ahead and bring that. Just punch it on one of those nails on the cross. For those online, tear that up, drop it in a trash can, leave it there. Jesus has finished it.